Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're continuing now with this series, Training Camp. And one of the critical things uh, that we always want to do as part of a team is to make sure our eyes are focused on the right things together. This series, Training Camp, is really about us as a church. If this is your your first time here today, if you're a guest, uh, first of all, welcome. We're so pleased you're here, but you've chosen a great Sunday to be here. And uh, during this series, what we're trying to do is paint a very clear picture uh, for everyone who comes, both guests and our own members and longtime attenders, what this church, Crosswalk Church, is all about, what God wants his church to be about. And, uh, and we've been working our way through what God wants his church to be about for the last two Sundays and now this third Sunday. And we're going to be talking all about focus and what, what does God want us to be focused on, and especially the, the eyes of our heart and the eyes of our mind. What does God want our hearts and minds to be focused on? So we're going to go in, and there's a really interesting story I'll share with you in a little bit about this book of Philippians. But let's just read these words from the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. And uh, you can follow along on the screen if you've got your Bibles open. You're probably in about the middle of the New Testament. You'll also find the verses on your crosswalk notes if you want to follow along there. Paul writes, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Have you ever... um, had your eyesight go out of focus? Um, some of you probably found that if you needed glasses, it kind of snuck up on you. I know that's what happened to me. I was in college, and um, all of a sudden, I realized that all my friends were making fun of me for squinting at the blackboard. And I didn't even realize I had that big of a problem. I, I didn't even know that I was squinting that much, but clearly I was because they were, uh, they were laughing pretty hard at me. So after uh, the first semester of my college year, I came home at Christmas and I went to see an optometrist. And uh, I still remember this. He had this sort of heavy contraption, which was like a eyeglass frame. And uh, you, he could put different lenses in it and, uh, and get the right prescription, sort of just to give me a test view of what it would be like when my real glasses came. It was, it was heavy and everything and kind of awkward. Uh, certainly not something I would have uh, wanted to wear to a party or anything. But he said, come on, out, let's go out. And behind his office were uh, uh, just a whole bank of oleanders. And I remember him saying, here, take these and put them on. Look at those oleanders first before you do, and now put these on. And all of a sudden, I put those on, and boom, those oleanders had leaves on them. It was amazing. And flowers, 
I don't know if uh, any of you remember maybe the very first time you put your glasses on and things came in to focus in detail and how awesome that is when that happens. And I think as a church, that's what we have to do sometimes is we have to get our God goggles on, uh, put our glasses back on and say, where does God want us to be focused? And especially... Where does he want our hearts and minds to be focused? And that's what we're talking about this morning as we talk about getting our eyes on the prize and and really seeing what the prize is that God wants us to have in focus. What is that? What does God want you and me, us together as a church, to value? And, And that's a more complex question than you might think because there are a lot of things that a church can be about and do and value. One of the things uh, that I did was I printed out session three of 101 class. And uh, here's one of the things that we teach when you come to our membership class. Church is a place where people go to look religious for an hour a week, right? No. Okay, but that's what some people think, right? Church is a place that is only interested in my money. That's not right either, but that's what some people think. Church is a place where I can meet with others who have the same interests. Well, of course we want you to make friends here and find people who share your interests, but is that really the prize that God is looking for us to be after as a congregation? I could go on. Those are just a couple of examples just to show you that there are a lot of things that church can be focused on, but what is it that God wants us to be focused on? Now, I'm going to show you a clip that really gives us another reason why it's sometimes hard to stay focused on the right things, not only as a church, but also individually. Life is coming at you fast, right? And this clip is from the movie Invincible. And the the movie is about Vince Papali, true story of a 30-year-old bartender who tries out for the Philadelphia Eagles when Dick Vermeil, the coach at the time, decides he's going to have an all-call and let anybody who wants to try out for the team. The, the, the scene where all these guys come out to try out for the team is hilarious. It's not the scene I'm showing, but if you get the movie Invincible, you will laugh your head off at that scene where all these guys are trying out. But Vince has had like this huge string of stuff going wrong in his life. His wife has just asked him for a divorce. He's lost his job. He's trying to make ends meet somehow just by being a bartender. And then Dick Vermeil says, anybody want to try out for the, the Eagles? And Papali does, and he makes the team. And this is a picture of him getting in the game. Vermeil has said, okay, I'm a, he made the team. I'm going to try him. And I want you to notice, because this clip does a great job of showing you how fast stuff comes at you and when stuff is coming at you like it is in all of your lives how easy it is to get distracted and to lose focus play the clip i love that when the guy gets up and goes i'm going away from you vince papali i don't even want to be near you right now as if what vince papali has just done is going to rub off on him have you ever had that feeling in life, that deer in the headlights feeling, that I just got blindsided by life feeling, that the wind is totally knocked out of me. I can tell you as a church, we've had that experience. 
And that's why that scene, I think, is important to us, not just as individuals, but as a church. Man, we, we've got life coming at us fast as a corporate body trying to follow Christ where he leads this church. And sometimes as, as a church, we're like, oh. And, and it feels like God is grabbing us by the face mask and saying, you know, I stuck my neck out for you. I sent my son for you, and this is what you give me back. And honestly, even as the leader of a church, I, I sometimes want to just hang my head and go, man, I know, God, we're, we're not staying focused and we're getting blindsided by stuff. And maybe some of you feel that way too in, in interactions with me or the staff or with one another. So what is it? What is it that God really wants us to stay focused on and to make sure we don't lose sight of it and we don't get blindsided? Whether it's you as the individual Christ follower or us together as a team, how do we, how do we stay focused on the right things and get our eyes on the prize? Well, it's intriguing because the Apostle Paul was going through some stuff very much like Vince Papali. I mean, talk about a string of bad stuff happening to you. I told you there's an interesting story behind this book of Philippians. Do you know what happened to the Apostle Paul in the lead up to him writing this letter to the Philippians? Paul had spent his missionary journeys planting all these churches and congregations, making sure Christ was being preached, people knew their Savior, and uh, the way back to God through Christ. And on his third missionary journey, he gathers up this offering of love to carry back tenderly to the congregation in Jerusalem because this congregation is hurting big time. They're going through a famine, and Paul gets all the churches in Asia Minor and all the churches in Greece, in Greece to pull together, get an offering, and help the people in Jerusalem. When Paul gets back, and, and, and imagine, you know, he's, he's got to be thinking to himself, man, I know this, I'm doing good stuff for God here and I'm helping people and I'm, I'm, I'm helping these people love these people. And how does he get rewarded for that? Well, he, he gets blindsided. He goes into the temple and a riot breaks out and everybody points the finger at him and he gets blamed for the riot. In fact, Roman soldiers have to come in in the middle of this riot and break it up and pull Paul up out of this crowd and arrest him just to keep him safe. There's no grounds for any charges against Paul, but ultimately, he literally, for the protection of his life, has to be taken out of Jerusalem to the Roman garrison in Caesarea, miles away, just so that a murder plot that's being hatched against his life can't be fulfilled. Even then, Paul's thinking to himself, this is going to be quick, it'll be short, I'm going to tell him what happened. Uh, th there's no, no basis for any charges against me, but literally he sits there and he rots in jail in Caesarea for a couple of years until a new Roman governor comes in. So imagine this, you know, you, you, there's no basis for any charges and you're, you're in prison. The new governor comes in and you got to be thinking, well, finally, this guy's going to see and he's going to reverse things. Well, he wants to send Paul back to Jerusalem, right back into the hotbed that he had escaped from several years earlier. And so finally, Paul, being a Roman citizen, does what he has to do. He says, look, I'm a Roman citizen. This is enough. I'm appealing to Caesar. I'm not going back to Jerusalem. I'm not staying here any longer. Send me to Rome, and we'll let Caesar hear my case. Being a Roman citizen, that was what they were forced to do. And so finally, Paul must be thinking, 
Here's the answer. I'm going to get myself out of this. He boards a ship with a, a Roman soldier for a guard. And in the midst of this journey, this whole huge storm comes up and shipwrecks the ship. And he barely escapes with, with everybody on board. They, they all barely escape, land on an island, and, and they're no more dried out. Paul starts a fire and a poisonous snake bites him on the hand. And everybody says, see, this guy is cursed. He must be guilty. That's why he's going to Rome. And it's, it's just all falling apart, one thing after another. And, and then he gets to Rome finally, safely, after all this. And what does he do? He writes letters to these congregations that he has established. And he writes a letter to the Philippians that today scholars call the letter that's all about joy. Where in the world does this guy find joy after all that string of stuff has happened to him and he's still in jail? Well, it comes from where his focus is. It comes from what he truly values in life. You see, for most of us, what we value is in the here and now. And it's what we can tangibly grasp. But that wasn't the case for Paul. What Paul most wanted in life was not tangible. It was by faith. And faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you cannot even see. And what Paul wanted most in life was a relationship with someone who had died and then risen again who had claimed to be his Lord and his Savior, Paul wanted a relationship with Jesus Christ. Take a look at your crosswalk notes. Notice what he says in Philippians chapter 3, 7 to 9. Now, this is just before the verses that we read earlier. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Clearly, that's where his focus is. His prize that he has his eyes on is Jesus Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. This relationship is the key relationship in my life that I must have. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them all rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Does that help clarify what Paul means when he says in verse 12 of what we read earlier, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Christ Jesus took hold of me so that I would be in a relationship of love with him. And now he says, I press on so that I can hold on to that relationship with Jesus Christ that he took hold of me for. Now, this is really saying a lot more than you, than you might realize because you have to realize who Paul started out as to get the full grasp of what this is really all saying. And, and, and to help you understand, I want you to imagine yourself as a running back in a football game, all right? And the quarterback turns around 
and he hands the ball to you and you've got it and you grab hold of it, what's the first thing you're looking for? You're looking for the hole, aren't you? You're looking for the gap that allows you to run through your offensive lineman past the defensive lineman that they're blocking. And if you've ever played running back, you know that that's not as easy as it might sound. Every now and then, your linemen are good enough to open a hole the size of a truck, but more often, that hole opens and closes about like that. And it's not the size of a truck. You're lucky if it's the size of a half a motorcycle. And you got to get through it right now. Paul wanted nothing more than a relationship with God. It's clear from what he's saying here. But the way he started out was trying to go into the wrong hole to get through all this stuff that was going on in his life that had blocked his relationship with God. The same thing that blocks your relationship with God and mine. We're rebellious sinners. So is Paul. What we talked about in baptism he was not born holy and righteous. He was born full of sin, alienated from God, distant from him, blocked off by the wall of sin from God. That's how we are by nature. And that's how Paul was by nature. And he's saying to himself, how do I get back? And Paul grew up a Pharisee. So his early coaches taught him, here's how you get back, Paul. You run through the line on your own power. You create your own hole. In other words, be a good person. And if you're a good enough person, spiritually, if you follow the commandments, if you complete all the Jewish rituals, if you're circumcised and you attend all the festivals, you love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you love your neighbor as yourself, if you do all of this perfectly and well, if you're a Pharisee of the Pharisees, Paul, you will win your way back to God. Just earn it. And you and I know that there are still a lot of us, even in Christian churches, maybe even some here in church today, who have invested in that whole I am going to work my way back to God. I'm going to be a good enough person that finally God will say, man, you know, and he'll be like the football coach. He'll pat you on the butt and say, you did it, man. You were good enough. We're back in relationship because you did enough good stuff. And guess what's going to happen to the person that thinks that? They're going to constantly be put down for a loss. That's not the whole the only hole available, the only hole available in the line of our sin, guilt, shame, and rebellion is Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says what he says here. Look at, look at this again now. Whatever was to my prophet, all that Pharisee stuff where I thought I could earn it by being a good person, doing enough good stuff, I now consider that to be lost. That's garbage. What's more, he says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I don't even think about that stuff anymore because I have Christ. I consider them rubbish. That's actually 
a very nice word because the Greek word there is poop. Literally. In fact, if you look at the King James, it says dung. There's enough horse riders around here. You know what dung is, right? It's poop. I consider all my efforts before to be rubbish. It's nothing more than poop. Right? What I want now is to have what's really valuable. It's not rubbish. It's not, it's not waste. It's really the key thing. It's the hole in the line. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why he first took hold of me. Christ first wanted that relationship with me. And now I'm trying, I'm pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So here's the first thing about our church. We have to be all about Jesus Christ. And if our church is that running back, he is the one and only whole in that line of sin, guilt, and shame that we constantly run through. Find the whole. And as a church, let's find the whole. And Jesus Christ is our only whole through sin. Now, as you're going through the whole, what do you expect? You got the ball in your arms, right? You expect to sail through the hole every time untouched? No. No, in fact, I remember when I played football, I've already shared with you, I was no great athlete, but I did play football. And I remember the first couple practices and how exciting it was actually to be hit. Now, I love to hit others. I'm sure most of the other guys who played football did too. But it was even fun to be hit and to be tackled. Because you went in expecting that that's what's going to happen, right? Too often in our faith life, we want to walk through life unscathed. We're in this game, we want to be participants, but we think to ourselves, why is all this stuff happening to me if I'm a Christ follower? And you know what Paul says? Paul says, man, if you're participating in the game, if you're on the field, expect to be tackled. Expect to be hit. Expect to be brought down. Because you have powerful opponents on the field with you. Satan, your own sinful nature, the world that that doesn't love God, those are your opponents on this field, and they're going to come after you, and they want to bring you down. And even when they're not successful at bringing you down, which they will be at times, they're going to be hitting you, bumping you and doing whatever they can to knock you off your feet. Look at what it says in Philippians 3.10. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of what? Of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Was Jesus not bumped and bruised for us? Was Jesus not brought down, or maybe rather we should say brought up onto the cross in great pain and agony for you? Did he not suffer and die for the world? And so if we're going to be Christ followers, we're also going to, as Paul says here, 
follow him in his suffering and enjoy the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, notice how Paul puts this. He doesn't even say, I accept that this is going to happen. Like, like the football player, he says, I want to know the fellowship of suffering with Christ. I want to be there with Christ in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And Paul's not the only apostle to say this. Look at Peter. Peter, who walked with Jesus for three years, says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let me speak to our guests. If you're coming into church and you're thinking to yourself, man, if I can just get into this Christ-following life, things are going to sail smoothly for me. You got to know, there's a reason why we called this series Training Camp. Because if you're coming into Christ and you're coming on to the team called the church, there's a thing called the theology of the cross where Jesus says to all of us, if you want to come after me, you pick up your cross. It's just like Vince Papali. He, he did not try out for the Philadelphia Eagles thinking, no one is ever going to hit me. No one's ever going to try to tackle me. I'm never going to get blindsided. He had to know. He had to expect that this was going to be tough, challenging, and there were going to be constant times when he's being hit and bruised and battered and tackled. What do you expect? What is it that you expect? And I hope it is the theology of the cross. That if you follow Jesus and if you join a congregation of believers, you will also be carrying a cross. You will be saying with Paul, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Do you notice what it says in verse 13 of our original verses? Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining. Think about that word, straining. This is effort toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Salvation is a perfect gift of God's love. Forgiveness, you and I don't do a thing to earn that. But once we have forgiveness inside of our hands, in our grasp, in our hearts and minds, know that Satan, the world, your own sinful flesh are constantly going to be on attack against you. Here's the second thing to know about this church. In this church, we expect to be hit and tackled because Jesus was. Third, what happens after you get through the line? You're carrying the ball. And all of a sudden, the field opens up a little bit, and you're in the open field. Are all your worries over? Far from it. Because there still might be someone who's faster than you, and he will be trying to run you down. And so will your temptations. Being a Christ follower, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus also says... In this world, you're going to have temptations. Jesus himself was tempted. 
And so we have to know that even once we're past this initial, we have forgiveness, grace, mercy. We're past that line and we're in the open field. Sin and temptation are going to try to pull us down from behind. Look at what Paul says to the Corinthians. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Run like the wind when it comes to worshiping anything more than God. You know that whatever you honor, whatever you love, whatever you trust more than God is your idol, is your God. If there is something right now that you're more afraid of, if there's something right now that you trust more, something that you love more, you're not fleeing from idolatry. God wants all of you in this relationship. And Paul says, don't let anything get in the way of that relationship with Christ, your Lord and Savior. Flee from idolatry. He goes on to tell the young pastor, Timothy, flee. And that's the second world time he uses that word, flee. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Whenever I was blessed enough to actually get past the line and still have the ball in my hands and not be down on the ground with my face mask mushed into the grass and actually be in the open field? You know what I looked for? Is there anyone here who can block for me? And that's what Paul is saying here to Timothy, this young pastor. Look for your blockers. And here they are. Your blockers are righteousness, Faith, love, peace, along with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Just like we said to Terry this morning, you're not alone. You got a family around you helping you. Here are your blockers. Run like the wind, but make sure you've got these things around you. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And finally... Paul says, don't ever stop until you are in the end zone because if you do, if you start to celebrate too soon, trouble. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And guess what? You have God as your blocker too. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Find the open field. And you do that by fleeing temptation and sin with your faithful God at your side, helping you every step of the way, and with your family at your side blocking for you. And that's what this church is about too. Keeping God at our side all the time, even when we're being tempted and keeping our family and our teammates at our side, fleeing temptation and sin. One final thing that I think we have to be focused on and to prize. Take a look at what it says here. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow 
And here's the important part, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I broke through the line by finding my hole, and that hole was created by Christ. He, he is the way, the truth, the life. I, I came back into relationship with God through my relationship with Christ. As I was going through the line, and even today, there's all kinds of trouble, just the way Jesus promised. In this world, you will have trouble. He says, I, I'm in the open field and I'm running and there's constant temptations. The good that I want to do, Paul says, I don't. The evil that I want to stop doing, that's what I keep doing. And so Paul's life is constant, constant repentance and asking Christ for forgiveness and receiving that forgiveness from him. And then finally he says, look, here's the big thing. Keep the end zone always in your eyesight. Don't lose track of eternity, of the resurrection that Christ has planned for all of us by calling forth his own son from the dead first. Don't forget where your true citizenship is, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul says, our church needs to be about that end zone and never losing sight of it, prizing it above all things. Keep your eyes on the end zone because life is there. Eternal life is there. I want to show you one last clip that I think represents so beautifully what I hope all of us, if we can keep this church focused on these things, focused on Christ being the only way back to God, focused on understanding that we have a theology of the cross, there's going to be suffering in our lives. Focused on realizing that temptation is going to try to bring us down and we need to flee it with the help of God. Focused on keeping our mind on that end zone. What's going to happen? We show the clip. What if there aren't gates of heaven? What, are there, what if there are goalposts of heaven? Can you picture yourself one day like Vince Papale through faith in Christ? not by your own efforts or, or goodness, but through Christ, raising your arms at the goalposts of heaven and saying, here I am. Jesus has taken me here. And all because of what he did for me on the cross. Here I am. I have the victory. That's what Paul's talking about when he says here, I'm going right back to where we started. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, all the sin that I've left behind, everything that's behind, all my trouble, and straining toward those goalposts, what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. I pray that this church, Crosswalk Church, will always be about that heavenward prize through faith in Christ Jesus and will always equip you to be bumped, jostled, and even tackled 
but forgiven once again by the blood of Christ and always ready you to beat temptation and flee it so that you make it to that end zone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've given us your son. Will you take every heart and mind in this room, Father, and put your spirit into it through this word that was taught today and help all of us to make Jesus Christ our greatest prize. And then through faith in him to also prize that heavenly goal of standing in victory before those goalposts for eternity. Lord God, you are an amazing and merciful and loving God. Guide us to know that our sins are forgiven, that our guilt and shame are gone, and that we have a wonderful team who is ready to block for us and help us get to heaven as you've planned for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com. 